Hey everyone, please listen to this important message that Henry has to share. Hello, my mama says bad words. So please make sure to wear your earmuffs for this week's episode. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high rise or low rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Hey listeners, we are excited to tell you about this amazing brand we just discovered called Dia. Their philosophy is to design clothing for women that want great fashion and proper fit in sizes 14 plus. As you learn to embrace your mom jeans, check out Dia to find denim jeans and a complete outfit for your perfect fit. To help you feel fabulous in your mom bod, Dia is offering our listeners an exclusive savings. To get 30% off, head to dia.com, that's D-I-A.com, and use our code MOMGENES, M-O-M-G-E-N-E-S. You can try the clothes on in the comfort of your own home, keep what you love, and always get free shipping and returns. Finally, a brand that has your mom jeans in mind. Visit dia.com and use code MOMGENES to get 30% off your order. Dia is excited to work with us this season, so head to dia.com and use code MOMJEANS to receive 30% off your next Dia order. Okay, now to our episode. We are in a series called Your Story, where our guests will be sharing the story of healing their relationship with their body. Each person's story is unique to them, and we are humbled by their vulnerability and willingness to join us in this space. As a result, we will not be editing out as many numbers, specific behaviors, or details as we normally would. If anyone's story has details that trigger you due to your healing journey, please press pause and take care of yourself. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Wow, everyone! We made it! To the end of our second season. Woohoo! Thank you for listening and for a whole other season, everybody. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Thank you all so much for joining us on the journey by listening, and we hope doing your own story writing about your relationship with your body and how you can rewrite your story for more healing. If you missed any of those journal prompts, jump back to episode 33, first episode of season two, where we will give you a ton of questions to unpack so you can change those tricky cognitive discourses. You definitely need to listen to that episode to figure out what the heck that means. (laughs) And a massive thank you to the brave, beautiful, strong, world-changing, family legacy-breaking mamas and parents who joined us this season and sharing their story. I literally got chills, like, each interview. I was just so amazed by the messages of body acceptance that they shared, despite all the pain they lived through. So all of you guests were rock stars, and we are so grateful for you all. In our last episode of this Your Story series, we are excited to be sharing with you all a passionate conversation we had with Ivy Shu that really showcases that healing one's body physically and healing from our sick diet culture is possible. Ivy will share her story of being in the entertainment industry as a young adult and the horrific pressure she received while working, but then about the hope and healing that came as she gave herself permission to be free, to be herself, and became a mom. As we chatted, we were reminded of the many phases or tears of change that we all go through physically, mentally, and emotionally. Yeah, the bottom line is that our bodies are always changing, regardless of how we feel about it. As we navigate the journey of changing bodies, diet culture messaging, the media's messages, and just the surreal changes our bodies go through if they have experienced pregnancy and childbirth, it can be challenging. 
We felt that it was important to share Ivy's story, not only because it is an experience from the pressures of the entertainment industry, but also the pressure that Ivy's Asian heritage put on her. Growing up in Texas and the unique culture of that part of America, and then moving to Taiwan and entering the entertainment industry, she shared how that culture's intense support of thin bodies, restriction, and focus thinner is better, quote-unquote, impacted her. Most of our stories this season touch on some aspect of the negative impacts of diet culture, so hearing this be pervasive internationally shows how deep-seated diet culture is, with so much toxic Western influence. Even though we are preaching body positivity and healing, we want to be sensitive that we are both white privileged females living in straight-sized bodies. Highlighting other people's stories can bring to light the pressures that the person is feeling and maybe somewhere, someone is listening and can relate, be motivated for change, and be inspired to rewrite their family and cultural legacy. Ivy went through major hurdles and it took a long time and many medical complications to get to the peace she's experiencing now. But by creating compassion for her body and identifying the values she wants her family and children to live on helped her heal. And we hope that from this series of stories that you feel inspired to do the same. So we're going to tell you a little bit about Ivy Shu before heading on to the interview. Ivy was born and raised in Houston, Texas, where she grew up as a tree-climbing, outdoorsy tomboy involved in various sports and activities. She moved to Los Angeles after graduating high school where she got her first degree in business administration and marketing and psychology from USC. After graduation, she moved to the other side of the world to Taiwan, the country where her parents had immigrated from decades earlier. She ended up spending over a decade in Taiwan where she had a high-profile career in the entertainment industry, launched and managed two bakeries, and gave birth to two children. Due to personal decisions, she moved back to the U.S. to her hometown to raise her sons. There, she decided to go back to school for a degree in nursing and is now working as an ICU nurse at MD Anderson Cancer Center in the Texas Center. She spent most of her spare time homeschooling her boys and sharing life experiences with them. If she has any free time after all that and is still not passed out from exhaustion, she loves cooking, baking, building and house projects, animal rescue, and hiking. Let's get to it. All right, well, welcome to our episode today, Ivy. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we are going to jump into your story because it's quite a great, fun one. But we are going to catch you off guard first. We want to ask mm-hmm. you, what is a little fun fact, something surprising about yourself for our listeners? Ooh. Um, I've, I've probably eaten, like, every any type of insect anyone's ever offered me to eat i've tried i've never what? Said it. <laughs> that's kind of a a shocking fact wow. uh-huh that is definitely a shocking okay and, and let me ask you this a brave how palette. often do people offer you insects <laughs> it was part of my job so we'll probably get to it but okay it, it is it, it okay. is something that like people hear and they're like what uh-huh I think um think Anthony Bourdain meets Fear Fact. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> cool. What's your favorite insect? <laughs> Ooh. There are actually quite a few that are pretty good, and there are quite a few that are really not. Um, there's a kind of worm called the Tamalock worm, and it gr- it's like in the driftwood in, um, in Asia. It grows in driftwood. It's like uh, you you basically like find rotting pieces of driftwood, hack it open, and shake these big worms out. And um, they're they look so gnarly. They're like a foot or more long, and they have this like weird alien looking jaw at the end of it. And um, we just like sawed the wood open, shook them out, gave them a rinse, like, and we just them in they were actually really good they taste like raw oysters but better. Ooh, i love raw oysters i have a piece of driftwood in my house right now i just got it at the beach 
You think Probably not. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, don't go and yeah, everyone don't go like hacking apart rotting wood and eating. (laughs) This is like it's actually a delicacy over there, but um, yeah, yeah, it's like it's kind of like oysters. They're not in Texas, not in Texas. And um, fried scorpions are pretty good too. Whoa, well, we have scorpions here, uh huh. Yeah, if you fry them, they taste like um, soft shell crabs. <laughs> Damn. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. This might be the fun fact that one of the season. Fun fact. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Cool. Well, awesome. Let's let's dive in and and can you tell us a little bit about what your story is about healing your body? Okay. Um. Oh. Hope you can edit this into like one episode because <laughs> it goes pretty far back. I mean, growing up. I was always kind of in a critical uh, environment. I think it was a lot of the cultural differences and um, I was, a lot was expected out of me. Um, On top of that, I was in ballet, dance, um, expected to be like very high achieving in a lot of different areas whether it be grades, musical instruments, sports, dance, like everything was just kind of thrown at me. So I think it created that type A perfectionist type that you see in controlled dieting types too. So it, it just, um, it was the environment, the perfect environment to foster this kind of um, regimented, like, critical view of myself and then um going to Asia I think it really got bad because at least growing up in the western world and with my friends I had friends of all different sizes different backgrounds and I never felt my friends judged me Um, I never had issues with people I dated it was mostly from home criticism from home and criticism I gave myself I was born and raised in Houston Texas so, I mean, growing up in Texas, you know, I had a healthy appetite for, you know, whatever. And you see a, a wide range of sizes. So, according to most people I was around, I was, I had a, quote, like, good body. Like, I was never to this or to that to outsiders, but to my own family. Probably culturally, it was just like, oh, you're to this, you should be like this. Da, 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 da. And then when I decided um, after I graduated um, undergrad the first time when I was 22, I moved to Asia where I spent a little over a decade. And um, being there was, it, it really made things rough for my self-criticism, my body image, everything. Um, I think that's when things went from like, oh, she's kind of a perfectionist and isn't super happy with herself, but she's doing okay. And then it went from there to like really bad Um, because of the nature of the country I was living in, which was Taiwan, the East Asian place. And um, I went into working in the entertainment industry where um, beauty ideals combined with the cultural ideals are were just next to impossible for someone who grew up in the U.S. in the Western world. It it, it really put me in a hard spot. But um, so that was the struggle part. Do you want me to go on into the the upturn or? Well, you had you have some really gnarly stories of the entertainment industry and the pressure so without without you know specific numbers or things like that I'm wondering if you can can share that because your story is so unique being in having both the entertainment industry subculture and then also the Asian culture so I would I would love it if you could share that with our listeners just what that was like for you to experience sure if I start to um say anything that might trigger I don't but I definitely don't want to you know trigger anyone or anything so um just let me know um but I mean I from day one it was just like 
I, to prepare going overseas, I already was like trying to diet and working out a lot. I was trying to do it the quote right way, like working out more, eating healthier. And um, I had lost um, some weight before I moved over. And to me, it was uh, already a really fit weight and like a low weight, what would be considered low. And when I moved there, one of the first things they said to me was like, whoa, you really need to lose weight. And I remember thinking, this is me after I've lost weight. (laughs) I've already lost weight. Yeah. And it, it was just like my fittest I had ever been at that point was there over like unacceptable and the way I was treated was um it wasn't like a oh you just like tone up a bit it was like they treated me like some someone would treat someone who is severely unhealthy or like you look disgusting you are unacceptable and I mean because people in Asia have a very direct way of communicating things they'll say things all the time. Like if I, if I know you and see you on the street and you have a pimple, I'd be like, what, what's wrong with your skin? Are you okay? Like, why do you look so bad? <laughs> you know, that's how they are. And that's kind of, they don't mean it to be nasty. It's right. like how they should think right. They're just, or blunt. it's like, yeah, like so blunt that you're like, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like, why, why have you gotten so fat lately? Like, is everything okay? Like, is there something wrong with you? You're, you got really fat. Or like, you look awful. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> um, they don't sugarcoat anything when it comes to appearance. Um, and I definitely had a, a rough lesson in that. Because in the US, people are much more gentle about it. Um, so being there, it was like, I remember my first real job was an acting job. And I had gotten the lead in a, a drama series. And it was a big deal, but I got the lead like five days before they wanted to start filming. And the producer, I was in the meeting. Um, my management company was there, production was there. The producer, he's one of those like fast talking, like says whatever he wants kind of guys. He looks at me, he's like, mm, you could be cute, but don't eat for five days. And yeah, he was like, we're starting in five days. Don't eat. Don't even five days because you need to lose like X amount of weight. And it was a lot. It was physically, unless you're like losing an organ or a limb, you're not losing that kind of weight in five days. You know, it's not like, let's, let's look your best and make sure you're not bloated. It's like cut off your leg. your whole body. Yeah. 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 Like you're cute if you could like, subtract a third of you, you know? <laughs> and um and I had to agree I mean so did you I not did eat for five days Mm-mm. and they also sent me to um get this crazy kind of massage that was supposed to massage the fat out of me <laughs> that does not actually exist it doesn't no, work that doesn't work and it's so <laughs> painful I was basically lying on a glass table like a rock concrete like a hard table and this lady was like abusing my like body tissue to like it was so painful I was bruised and I had to go um every single day so it was like massaging bruises over but um which seems counterintuitive to look your best you show up you have all these bruises all over you that feels like it would be challenging for the makeup right makeup yeah no well they they massage the places you can Oh, got it. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was, it was rough. Oh, and then because, um, <laughs> because he was like, your face is fat too. Um, he's like, you need to get plastic surgery. Um, so I guess a thing people do there is they might get injections there that maybe slim your face. And, um, thank goodness my company was like, no, she's, she's not going to do that. Um, and to compromise, he was like, well, then you need to get a new haircut because we need to cover up your face. <laughs> um, so like they made me get this haircut that covered like 
both sides of my cheeks to try to cover what he thought was unacceptable face volume. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like that. And um, I have stories over stories over stories of being told this or that. And um, yeah, it, 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 it was a lot. And I, I had been sent to every sort of like acupuncturist, um, Eastern medicine, Western medicine, um, pressure points, foot acupressure, uh, herbalist, anything you can imagine. Um, they, they sent me there. So, I mean, the message I'm getting basically the whole time is that you are completely unacceptable like this. And what are we going to do with you? I think it's interesting for you to have such a cultural shock. And so I'm curious to how how now this micromanagement of how you look, of your weight, of your food, of being told how to eat and what to do with your body, how that impacted your body trust and your relationship with food? Um, well, uh, one thing I neglected to mention, which was uh, pretty significant, was that because of all of this stress and regimented dieting, like at one point I was only eating like a cucumber a day. and it, that's just crazy, you know. Um, but it was just, I would get yelled at. I would get, you know, every day you get yelled at. And um, I just remember uh, at one point I didn't have a period. And I lost my period for three years. So that was horrible. I went to see all sorts of doctors and they said I was premenopausal. I had zero hormones produced. Um, you're not premenopausal. You're starving. That's what that is. It's a body yeah. protection mechanism to be like you're but not. But the doctor you're already a said like they tested my hormones and they tried to give me these hormone boosts to like Ooh. shock the body back yeah. in, which which are rough. They didn't work because, and then that's how they figured out. Well, you're you're stressed. You've stressed out your body so much that your brain, that aspect of hormone control, is mess turned off yes mm -hmm. it's turned off and so the only thing you can do at this point is wait and see and um that's that to eat more if people are listening because sometimes people listen yeah. and it's like oh wait that that's happening to me it's like restriction mm -hmm. and deprivation yeah. of the body your body has to compensate to protect itself. So shutting off hormone production is one protection mechanism. Having yeah. not having a period is not yeah. normal. We don't want that to be yeah. validated and just forcing hormones is not okay either. Not, and a lot of times not having these, a period was torturous. Right. Because not having those hormones, I mean, I was in early menopause. I was having hot flashes. I would like retain water and then like lose it all and then retain it. And there was no control. I felt out of control. And um, I mean, thankfully, I I'm thankful that my body did have that effect because it did protect myself from losing that much. Even though I was starving, I actually never looked emaciated. Like I never, my body didn't react the way that other people might if they're taking such little calories. So it doesn't always happen like that. Mine shut down in a way that it held on to everything. And I was just suffering all of these depressing, like the, the emotional, the hormonal, the imbalance. And it was, it was torturous. It was probably the lowest point of my life. So, so what was it like for you to break away from those standards set by the entertainment industry and like, how are you now navigating, rewriting these belief systems in your story? Oh my gosh, it was, it was scary. To be honest, it was scary at first. Um, because when this is all you know for a long time, this is like your new normal. And then it, it took kind of a leap of faith, kind of just to be like, you know what? I don't need to be like this. It doesn't, it shouldn't be like this. And it takes a little bit, it takes quite a bit of courage, I feel like. Um, but it once, once I started, I kind of see it as like retaking control of my life. Cause that's, I mean, your food is 
what nourishes your body. Your body is a physical living thing. It, it needs nourishment, it needs exercise, it needs things to thrive. And I think I felt like breaking away from the, the, the oppressive, you know, very, very narrow standards that the entertainment industry had, it was really liberating. And I, what I did find out was that I was just as accepted, if not more, after I did that, because my jobs didn't go away. I actually had just as many fans or maybe more because I was relatable. Um, I, I personally started allowing myself to not fixate on just my appearance, on what I was giving the public. So um, basically during that time, I started to host a TV show, um, my travel show, which I kind of alluded to earlier about eating crazy things. Um, and that show was very, very, um, very healing for me because every other job I had had before was an acting job, which I was supposed to be a, a pretty girl or a hot girl or um, in my singing career, you know, you, uh, they have these like Asian idols, they call them super idols, idols. And I was, I felt like I had to fit the idol mold, which of course is like, you know, a pop star body and like you're all packaged. Um, so this TV job was the first time they ever just wanted me to be myself. And I was, I made corny jokes, I did weird things, I made funny faces, half the time my makeup like would wash off because I'd be jumping into water and I, eventually gave up on wearing anything except sunscreen. <laughs> it was just, it was pointless to try. And um, it was so freeing to be able to say what I want to say and not look perfect. And like, cause most of the time I was like backpacking these countries that you'd be dripping sweat and it wasn't pretty, but it felt great. And I felt like, um, I think that showed to the audience because I started gaining a different sort of following. And I noticed that my fans during that period of time were starting to say different things than before. Before they would be like, oh, you're so sweet and cute, like very idle type things. And then later on, they would say, I love how funny you are and how natural you are in front of the camera and how you like do crazy things or you just say whatever like, you know, your reaction is what a normal person would be in that situation, or it's kind of silly, kind of crazy, but it's not like, it's not so contrived where you're always trying to like pick your best, most flattering angle and make sure your hair's in place. And um, it was a really great rebirth of, of my career, I felt like. Um, it sounds like that job aligned with your actual values. Yeah. And that was like, it was, it was so freeing and, and it didn't hurt my career. It helped my career. So it just took a, a lot of courage to break apart from the formulaic success, typical, like, uh, you're X weight, you're X height, you have this kind of makeup, this length of hair, and you say these things and you'll be X, Y, Z successful. It, they like to follow a form. And breaking away from that formula was really awesome. Um, because it's you, yeah. It sounds like before you were you were following someone else's version of your body trust. Yes. Which was eating a cucumber a day, terrible. <laughs> yes. And then went, hey, F you, dude. I'm going to start trusting my own body. And that trust lined up with your core values. Uh-huh. And you know what? They loved watching me eat, right? And, you know, I remember thinking, like, I used to be terrified of eating in front of people because I would get yelled at. Like, eating in front of anyone behind the scenes, the crew, or um, on camera, I, would, I was afraid they would criticize me. And then during my show, like, a lot of it was eating the food of the country. I was like really enjoying it and the audience loved it. So it was just really, you know, food is to be enjoyed. Like that doesn't mean 
that doesn't mean in excess, but it means eat what you need to eat and enjoy it because it's a really great experience. I wonder how your modeling of that body trust and behind the scenes, you're healing that, right? And you're you're going through what that means now for you to trust yourself and, and you're kind of coming into your own skin. But I'm wondering what that was like to model that because to your point, if a lot of the culture over in Taiwan and in broader Asia is so much focused on appearance and people are being told to their faces how they look – I'm wondering what that was like for people watching. I'm wondering if it was impacting other people as they were working through their body story. I mean, I'd really like to think it, it was because I have been through the trenches with this journey. Like, I know what it's like to feel really awful about this, to have that kind of pressure on yourself or from external factors. And I don't wish that on anyone. Um, I feel like from the feedback I got, people really enjoyed that because who doesn't want to feel good and who doesn't want to enjoy food? Um, it's, it's a natural feeling. You know, you want to be comfortable. You want enjoying food is actually a very, <laughs> it's a natural thing. That's why it's like Maslow's hierarchy. You know? So I, what I gathered is that, um, Instead of playing this unattainable role, which is what most celebrities tend to do, um, at least in Asia, they were always put on a pedestal. That's how, that's the difference between Asian media and American media. America really likes to do those like celebrities are just like us kind of thing. But in Asia, they like to see celebrities like idols. It, that's why you see how crazy like K-pop is and stuff there. Um, so it, it was a big leap of faith, but I feel like, I feel like it must have impacted people because here's someone who doesn't look perfect most of the time, um, doesn't necessarily say the perfect things, um, is not scripted because my show wasn't scripted. and. Um, you know, sometimes I look like this. Sometimes I look like this. Sometimes I'm on my period. Sometimes I have a breakout. You know, that's just how it is. And I feel like a lot of my fans, most of them were actually female. And they would tell me that they loved that about me. And they felt like I understood. And I think that's what, um, I think it was that aspect of me that they could identify with that made me stand out at that time. Um, so I, I truly hope that people saw me as, that's why I was always pretty open with my nightmare stories about dieting. Like I, I never wanna say like, this is a great way to diet. Like I hope no one ever listens to, to my experiences and takes that away. I want them to just like hear my experiences and I wanted to save someone else the trouble of going through the, the low the low points like I did hopefully but I also think like yeah. wow this is such an amazing journey of like how long has that journey been and like at the lowest of the low it was pretty gnarly and now you're living this peaceful journey right like hope maybe you are mm -hmm. I don't know well <laughs> I felt like the um, doing the TV show was my first like leap of faith to like be myself. And then the thing that truly made me completely accept myself and like actually love myself. The TV show was something where I was starting to see like, oh, people are gonna let me be myself. I can do this. But I it I didn't really appreciate my own body until um, until I had kids and having kids made me view myself in a completely different way in a, a great way um, I hear I heard horror stories about people saying oh after kids stretch marks and they fixate on this and that but um, in my experience I feel like I've I've never felt so content with myself um, 
as a mom. Like, sure, I doubt myself, like, when I'm like, oh, am I doing the right thing for my kids and things like that. I'm always questioning and always trying to be better. But as far as me physically, this is, and I'm in my late 30s now, and I am much happier with myself. Like, I'm much more accepting of myself and happy with myself, like my body, my looks, whatever, my shell, as now than I was in my early 20s, mid 20s. And it's, it's because of being a mom. I think I th- just coming full circle there, it's like I really want listeners to hear that like, recovery is really possible or whatever that that healing journey is really possible it looks different for all and even if you're experiencing a really deep low there can be an the other side that is body peace it is possible and i love that your healing journey was like oh the final puzzle piece was kids it was how cool is that like the biggest body transformation ultimately yeah ever and boop and people like to say awful things about negatively but think about what your body is doing like crazy amazing you you have not known this kind of transformation until you've lived it and like and yes like the lowest of lows i was there i should be i wanted i was so depressed i was like they were putting me in like they had me seeing psychiatrists because they were worried um, about like self-harm and me having really bad thoughts. Um, and now, I mean, I'm, it's a complete 180. And the reason is, is that I really like to tell people who, because I do have friends who haven't had kids yet. And I even know people who, they don't want to have kids because they're afraid of what it'll do to their body. But um, I'm not saying everyone needs to have kids, but if it's, if you want to be experienced motherhood, like don't let that deter you because um, once you've seen like and held these like little creatures that you've created in your body, you will appreciate your body regardless of how much weight you gained. If you have stretch marks or not, if you had an easy delivery, a rough delivery, like you will see this like life that you made and it's pretty mind-boggling. It was, it's kind of a trip. Yeah, I was like, my body held you for that long. And I made you from like one cell to like this. And then after that, I fed you and I got you like a cute little chubby baby and I got you all healthy. And it's just crazy what what your body was meant to do and what it's capable of doing. And once I saw things like that, I don't criticize myself like I never criticized other women but I saw myself under harsh light and now I really appreciate my body I'm like wow I did good (laughs) yeah so you just spoke about being a mom and and that healing piece so you're for people who don't know you're now an ICU nurse living in Texas and a mom of two boys mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. so obviously that's a yeah. big piece you left the entertainment industry you healed your hormones you had kids you're you switched countries somehow went back to school and and got became an ICU nurse what the hell <laughs> but tell us tell us i'm also a single mom oh jeez oh man <laughs> So that's a whole nother episode. We'll bring you back on (laughs) part two, what Ivy did next. Um, (laughs) But um, you're like a real life movie. So, okay. So the question is, again, my guess is somewhere along the way, you really developed your why and really try to figure out why your relationship with your body is going to be something that probably is something you protect now. Um, and then also now you're raising children and trying to probably figure out this legacy of Asian culture and American culture. So could you speak to that piece of it? Yeah. Um, well, as a mom of boys, I'm very cognizant of the difference between, uh, the ideals put on boys and girls. So I, for one, I always try to get them to see past the exterior and um whether it be someone who's judging them for me i emphasize health if you're healthy because i'm in the healthcare industry 
I want you to be healthy because this is what your cells need. They shouldn't be like this. They should be getting this. So I emphasize health with them, mental health, emotional health, physical health. As far as um, bridging the gap between cultures, I feel like my kids are prime examples because they were born overseas. They had more of a, they had a few years extra of Eastern influence. And then they came here and they were like, whoa. <laughs> um, but what I'm trying to do is get them to accept themselves and their own differences. But also I feel like as a mom of boys, it's really important to get them because for the most part, women are held to stricter standards in my opinion. At this point, um, a lot of a woman's worth in the media tends to be the focus is like equated to her youth, her beauty, her looks, her fitness, her shape. Um, so I try to emphasize when they talk about girls, you know, they're little still, but I, I emphasize her personality, her heart, their friendship, her brain, you know, and my kids, since they were little, they've always talked about like, oh, mommy's pretty, mommy's a beautiful princess, because they're my boys and they're mama's boys, they're very close to me. But um, I always try to remind them, they're still young, they're five and seven, but I always try to remind them like, well, what struggles has mommy had? And you see mommy working hard all the time. I try to break gender roles with them. Um, because they see me do a lot of like traditional dad roles and mom roles and rolled into one. And um, I try to emphasize that someone's worth is much, much more than this is just a show. It's, it's what encases you. As long as it's healthy, it's good. Like that's all you need. I, I really feel that. And I always emphasize that to them because I feel like my upbringing and my a lot of it, um, a lot of it was on the exterior, but I really want them to just focus on the interior. Um, yeah, and I want them to use that lens to see other people, especially because I think it, I think when people, when kids start to get this kind of upbringing, the more kids that get this kind of upbringing, the better, because that is the entire future of the media. Um, social standards, how people treat each other, future relationships, future marriages, um, family values. I, I feel like I, I'm trying to do my part. I can't for, force anything out of the people's kids, but I can make sure that these two boys grow up into decent people and don't and try not to judge themselves and especially judge women on these like media media ideals because mommy has been through it and mommy was miserable and now mommy's happy and see how it affected mommy it's interesting because you're like this is you know this is my why and for rachel and i this is our why for the podcast which is really bringing this light to parents to moms to recognize that we can rewrite that story. You don't have to carry these distorted traditions, even if they're deep-rooted cultural tr traditions. Because if we change it, if we break that dieting legacy, the negative body image legacy, then ultimately we are making a better generation for our kids. And now our kids get to grow up in, a, in such an accepting environment, in in a world where people actually recognize someone's brain and personality and what they're bringing to the table, who they are, rather than what they look like. Yeah, because if you look at every woman, most, most women who have distorted images of themselves or um, women who get addicted to dieting or have really low self-image if you look at how their mother treated herself or their father treated their mother or things like that you you can sometimes see these patterns and um i mean i remember my mom talking about like 
she still does this. She's like, oh, I'm getting too fat. And my mom is like the tiniest thing ever. That's how she was growing up. That's what I heard. And I remind her, I was like, I don't want you talking about that around the boys. Because I don't, and I have a niece. I'm like, especially her, like, don't talk about this in front of the boys. You know, I don't want you to be like, oh, I'm fat. I need to look better in this. You know, because they don't need to be, it has to stop somewhere. And I, I love that y'all are doing this. And that's why, um, you know, when I heard about it, this is the first podcast I've ever been on. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I should do it. Because um, I, I feel like with all this, you know, negative um, perception of self that's out there and being promoted, kind of have to bring another side to it and we're trying to shift the balance right Mm -hmm. for sure yeah so there's lots of people listening right now who are still navigating this journey of healing their negative body image their mentality or even just their relationship with food and disordered eating habits so I'm curious if you have a message of encouragement to them or what message you would want to share to our listeners I would like for them to stop and um, look beyond the, look beyond the um, today I was like this, yesterday I was like this, tomorrow I want to be like this. I want them to stop and think about them in intervals in life. Like stop, think about yourself in five years. What do you picture, you know, in your life, not just you. Like, what's your picture of your life? Like? Okay, now let's go to 10 years. Now let's go to 20. By then you're middle age, you're past middle age. Um, now let's look at the end of your life. What are you picturing? When you're at the very end of your life, what are you gonna, what do you wanna picture? Do you wanna picture, because um, what I wanna picture for instance is, I wanna picture a good family first and foremost. And I wanna picture being able to like reflect on my life and feel like I enjoyed and I lived my life. Versus I put myself in a mental, dungeon and I viewed myself so harshly when all these years I could have been going in this direction and exploring these joys in life and enjoying my days enjoying my kids without um, putting that kind of mental restriction on myself I feel like it's really easy to get caught up in especially with this this kind of personality because I do have that tendency perfectionist you you hone in on a micro view of anything. But if you zoom out to a macro view, you start to see, is that five pounds I'm obsessing over? Is this X amount I want to accomplish? Is that in the big picture of my life? What is going to really make a difference in my life? Or is that going to cause me to, to go in a direction that is going to, hinder my enjoyment of life or hinder what I'm able to give to other people or give to my kids and the message that I'm sending. So I really feel like whenever I have struggles in life and I've been through quite a few personal struggles, that's that's my technique um, for decision-making, for trying to get my head back in a good headspace. I stop and I think, I zoom out, look at it from a macro view. And I'm like, okay, five years, where do I, where, what would I hope to be? What would I hope to be at the end of life? And that really makes things pretty clear for me. And it helps me like navigate in a healthier direction whenever I'm getting stuck in my head. I love it. I I always refer to my clients, like we are meant to have these different phases or tiers in life. And so they're, everyone's always stuck in the pre-baby tier. And I'm like, hey, guess what? You can't go back. It's now you're in the mama tier, the post-baby tier, because you already had the baby and you can't take the baby and shove it back in you. So you're in (laughs) the other tier. That tier is closed. And so it's moving forward, expecting these tiers in life. And it's normal to struggle in them okay fine but what do you want it to look like what do you want your future tier to include and to look like and what value because there's something magical and beautiful in every tier totally but if you're fixated on what you 
either can't accomplish or Im yeah, impossible, uh, unattainable standards to, you know, some people want to look like a photoshopped picture. Those aren't, those aren't real. Like if you spend all your energy focusing on that versus what you could really be enjoying in this tier of life, this phase of life, um, you're going to miss out. And so that's why I feel like that zooming out strategy really helps because it really gives you the big picture. Like, is this important? And sometimes, I mean, I still have that tendency. Like I start to like hone in. I'm like, oh my God, every time I do that, I'm just like, wait, get in a better headspace, really think about what I'm doing, you know? And that, that always helps. And I love what you said about that, that stage in life. Like there's something really amazing about aging. each tier. Yeah. And our body is a hundred percent going to change in each tier. It is going to. So you can either fight it and look back and go, damn, I fought my body in every single tier. And that's what I remember. Or that's my legacy. Right. Or you can now start changing it, look forward and go for the future tiers. I'm just going to accept it. And we get that that's a process, but that can be the new rewriting of the story. Those future tears. Because you are in, you're in control of your story. You're in control of if you enjoy, if you appreciate your life and you get what you, the most you can out of it. And I want to encourage people to allow themselves that. Thank you for coming on. This has been great. Thank you so much for sharing. I know you have been through a lot in the industry and you have navigated multiple cultures and multiple different roles in life. So we really appreciate you sharing your transformation story. No problem. I'm happy to share. We hope you felt inspired and moved by this week's story. Please reach out to the person interviewed to connect with them in the ways they listed, or you can check out our social media pages at Mom Jeans the podcast for details on the episode and to find our guest's information. If you love the episode, please leave us a rating and review us on iTunes and recommend this episode to a friend. We are sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G, and wear the jeans with the J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LeBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.